getting the word. Uh, half of you here last week. What was the acronym? Life. How many letters are in life? Nice. Good. Not four. And the L stands for? If we, there was two trees in the garden, remember? We can eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, or we can eat from the tree of life. There's always two trees in the garden, and we always have a choice. Every single day, we have a choice. Do you want to eat, eat from the tree of right and wrong, or do we want to eat from the tree of the knowledge of, sorry, of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, or the tree of life? And the four points were L-I-F-E, and the L stands for laughter. If we eat from the tree of life, I believe we will laugh a lot more. Amen? The average adult laughs about 17.5 times a day, and the average child laughs in excess of 400 times a day. You know, if we have a childlike faith, I believe we can be a people that laugh a lot and actually really enjoy life. And I was for what? Intimidate. When we eat from the tree of life, we intimidate the enemy. Paul says to, to, Paul says to, to Timothy, he says, God has not given us the spirit of timidity, but of power and love and of a sound mind. I believe God's people should be strong. And when we talk about Beelzebub, the Lord of the Flies, that when there's sores and open wounds in our life, Beelzebub, the Lord of the Flies, drops excrement in. Because that's what he does. It's gross, isn't it? Hate flies. But we intimidate the enemy when we know who we are. When we eat from the tree of life, we intimidate the enemy. F was for fullness, living in fullness every day. Jesus came that we may have life and have it to the full. And he came full of G&T. Do you remember that? Grace and truth. Grace and truth. Yeah, not gin and tonic. Grace and truth. Two wings of the airplane. You can't have truth doesn't work without grace. Grace doesn't work without truth. And often if you have somebody that's just law, 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 law. That's what the, what they, the Pharisees came to Jesus and they dragged a woman caught in adultery. She was actually caught in the act and they dragged her through the streets. And they says, the law says, the law says, the law says. And Jesus, who was full of grace and truth, extended her grace. And each one of them, starting with the oldest, dropped their rock and went away. So full, that we, so important that we understand grace and truth, that we're full of both. Amen? And uh, E was for enjoyment. God wants us to enjoy him. The chief aim of man is to worship God and enjoy him forever. Jesus came enjoying life. I know I say this a lot, but who God is to us is who God will be through us. If you believe God is angry and in a bad mood with you, then we will represent, represent God that way. That's where you, when you meet people, it's like, wow. You know what, if, if you, I remember somebody giving a, a message once from my dad, and I thought, that doesn't even sound like my dad. Those words, the, the words you're using, the attitude, the anger, the frustration, and we have to be careful how we represent God. And I just want to tell you, because of the finished work of the cross, we're now not on a journey to the cross, we're on a journey from the cross. We're not doing things for love, we're doing things from love. We're not doing things for acceptance, we're doing things from a place of acceptance. We're not doing things for victory. We're doing things from a place of victory. We were in darkness, but because of the finished worth of God, the wrath of God was satisfied at Calvary, and we've been taken from one kingdom into the marvelous kingdom of light. This is the ecclesia. The church is the called out ones. They've been called out of darkness into light. I believe we should be the happiest people on the planet, enjoying life. 
Amen. That's what I talk about a little bit this morning. You know, I found this recently. But it says the average person lives to about 75 years old. Living with clutter will take away two years off your life. Living with a view will add two years to your life. That's good news. Living with noise pollution will take away one year of your life. Having bad posture will take away two years of your life. Being married will add nine years to your life. That's pretty good. Caring for a pet will add two years to your life. Having low self-esteem will take away four years of your life. Having faith will add seven years to your life. Being a woman will add ten years to your life. Being married to one, however, will take away a staggering 15 years of your life. No, that's a joke. That's not actually true. That's not actually true. All right, if you have a Bible, turn to Genesis chapter 11. Genesis chapter 11. The tale of two trees. Father, thank you so much for your word. We thank you that this is the only book that we read, that when we read it, you, the author, are always present. And Lord, I just pray this morning that you would give us the spirit of wisdom and revelation, that you would open the eyes of our hearts so that we can know you better, so we can know the hope to which you've called us. Lord, that each one of us would leave here having had an encounter with you. I thank you that when we get into your word, your word gets into us. And we ask that you just revelation knowledge would come, not information, but revelation, so that we would be changed and never be the same. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. amen. There's so, meta, so many metaphors in the Bible um, that speak of the church, what the church is like. One minute Paul calls the church a building, and then he calls it a bride, and then he calls it a body, and then it's a house, and then it's a vine, and then we're living letters we don't, on our own, we don't make sense, but all together we actually make a letter that the world can actually read. And it's so important that we understand that not one of these metaphors is enough to describe the awesomeness of the church that Jesus died for. It's really awesome. And so Paul uses all these amazing metaphors. And today I want to talk about building and what we are building. So um, Genesis chapter 11, Genesis chapter 11, just to give you a backdrop. We've talk, we talked about different things. We talked about Matthew chapter 5 and verse 5, where Jesus in the Beatitudes says, blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. The word meekness there, and we looked into it, what that word means, it's not actually a picture of timidity. It's not a weakness. It's not even humility. It actually means the trained. The word meekness means harnessed strength bridled power. So what Jesus is saying, you can go back over this series, what Jesus is actually saying is, blessed are the trained, for they will inherit the earth. And there, Ecclesiastes 3 says, there's a time for everything. There's a season for every activity under heaven. There's a time to be born. There's a time to be die. To die. There's, a, there's a time of peace and there's a time of war. And I believe right now there is a war going on. Not that we get freaked out over, but we realize, first of all, that we win. But we're a, there's, a, there's a war going on. And we talked about territories from Luke chapter 8, where Jesus says, let's go to the other side. Do you remember that? 
And when Jesus says we're going to the other side, we're going to the other side. And that whole passage in Luke chapter 8 was all about territory. Everyone say territories. It was the tale of two territories. Jesus is in the boat and he's fast asleep. And a squall came up, a storm, and the fishermen are in the boat. And they're terrified, the fishermen, seasoned, qualified fishermen, because of the size of the waves. And they wake Jesus up and they say, Master, don't you care that we're going to die? And Jesus wakes up with a big, big yawn. He says, peace. And the reason he said peace and, and the storm went still is because Jesus was living in a realm where there was no storm. Internal realities always create external realities. If there's peace in here, then we'll create peace out there. The power of confession, what you say, is so important. But what's in here will, will be reproduced out there. I'll say again, internal realities always create external realities. And so he quiets the storm. Why? Because he was living in a realm where there was no storm. The second thing that happened is he arrived on the, the island of Gatherines. When he gets to the other side, watch this. The first thing he encounters was the demonic. So the first S was a storm. The second was satanic attack. Do you remember? It was a demon-possessed person. And as soon as Jesus steps off the boat onto territory, the second thing he encounters was a satanic attack. And the demon-possessed person says, what do you want from us, Jesus, son of the Most High God? It's interesting that just before that, they said, who is this that even the wind and the waves obey him? They didn't know who Jesus was, but the devil does. Think it not strange, Peter says, when you face the fiery darts of the enemy. When we're taking territory, when we're doing the thing that Jesus tells us to do, don't think it's strange when we face storms. Don't think it's strange when we face demonic attack. And the third thing was sickness. The third S was sickness. And it was the woman with the issue of blood, do you remember? And Jesus says, who touched me? And the disciples says, Master, you asked who touched me. There's crowds all over. And he says, no virtue has left me. Power has gone from out from me. And he, and he turns to the woman and heals her. So there's a storm. There's a satanic attack and there's sickness. But Jesus calms the storm. He casts out the devils and he cures the sick. Why? Because there was no storm in him. Why? Because there's no demon in him. Why? Because there's no sickness in him. And church, I want to provoke us this morning again to remember that we're in a war, that we're here to take territory. We're here to take to the, the whole earth will be filled with my glory as the waters cover the sea. The glory of God is the nature of God. It's not some mystical cloud. It's, but it's it, 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 the, the nature of God. Watch this. The nature of God it is his glory. The glory of God is what God is like. Remember Moses, he says, Moses says, show me your glory. And he says, no man has seen my glory and lived. But when you pass by, you will see me and you will see my glory. And he saw his goodness and his kindness and his slowness to anger. Church, it's his nature. The whole earth will be filled with my glory. The whole earth will be filled with the people that look like me. Amen? That's, what, that's, that's why we win. I've, written, I've read the end of the book. So yes, we're in a war, but we win. Amen. All right. So Genesis chapter 11. Let's go there really quick. Genesis chapter 11. Now the whole world had one language and a common speech. And as men moved eastward, they found the plain of Shinar and settled there. They said to each other, come, let us make bricks. Everyone say bricks. And bake them thoroughly, and they use bricks instead of stone. Really important. They use bricks instead of t stone, and they used and, and tar for mortar. Then they said, come, let us build for ourselves. Everyone say ourselves. 
a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens so that we may make a name for ourselves and not be scattered over the face of the whole earth. But the Lord came down to see the city and the tower that men were building. And the Lord says, if as one people speaking the same language, then nothing will be too difficult for them. So the Lord scattered them over the face of the earth and they stopped building the city. Why is this important? Because the Genesis mandate, when God breathed into Adam's nostrils the breath of life, he said, be fruitful and multiply, rule and subdue and have dominion. That was the Genesis mandate to fill the earth, to rule on the earth. And they stopped to build something by themselves, for themselves, for their own glory. God says, I'm not interested in you building something by you, for you, for your glory. And I'm not interested in something that is made by man, that is made of mixture, which is bricks. Everyone say bricks. Bricks are made of mixture. He is interested in something that is built not by man, but something that is spiritual. It's a spiritual house. We, Peter says, are living stones. We're alive. Amen? Amen. Are you with me? Are you staying with me? Say amen if you're with me. Okay. Otherwise, I'll just keep going over it again and thinking maybe they're not getting it. <clears throat> so God is interested in this building, not something by us, for us, for our glory, but by him, for him, for his glory. Yes, so he scattered them and says, get going, keep going across the surface of the, of the whole of the earth. I want you to keep going, keep going. Don't stop to build something by you. Abraham was looking for a city with foundations whose builder and architect was God. He's God the builder. In Matthew chapter 16, the very first mention of church The very first mention is that Jesus says to Peter, I will build my church and the gates, everyone say gates, of hell will not prevail. It's so important. I'm just going to go over this. And we've talked about this at different times. The the bricks represent flesh. Stone represent the spirit. Galatians 5 says that there there is a conflict between the spirit and the flesh. Paul says in Corinthians 3, be careful how you build, not with wood, hay, and stubble, but of precious gold, silver, and stone. Watch this. Three are found on the ground, and three are mined. Three are valuable, and Paul goes on to say, for each man's work will be tested for what it is. I'm doing a little bit of review here so we can can track today, because I believe today, just what I want to just say in these points is really, really important for us as a church right now. That we know who we are, we know who we are. We talked about Beelzebub last week. God's people are to build up walls. You remember Nehemiah was sent to rebuild the walls that had come down, the gates that had been burnt. And there was a couple called Sanballat and Tobiah, which represents the enemy. And they laughed at them and they jeered at them. But God has called us to build. Everyone say build up. God has also called us to break down walls. Do you remember Jericho in Joshua chapter 6? And it says, now Jericho was tightly shut up. Everyone say, shut up. Turn to the person next to you and say, shut up. Joshua chapter 6 says, now Jericho was tightly shut up. Shut up. Jericho was tightly shut up. Nothing went in and nothing came out. Then the Lord says to Joshua, see, I've given it into your hands. The word given there is not like a gift. It's like a teacher giving an assignment. I've given it into your hands. Past tense. I've given it to you. You know, when God gives us territory, we still have to take it. 
And then you know the story. The musicians went around the walls, and on the last time round, they shouted, and they all rushed in, and the walls collapsed. And finally, I just want to say this on these three things that God does. God, God's people build up walls. God's people break down walls. But God's people is you and me. And the reason I just felt that the other morning, I was just praying about this. I think it's really important that we don't just always hear the prophetic word about what's going to happen in the future or about the Old Testament, but it's you and me. God's people are you and I. You know, we're all God's got. We're the best God's got. It's you and it's me. Okay, turn to, um, to Psalm 27. I'm going to go there and then we're going to finish. Psalm, Psalm 20, sorry, Psalm 24. Psalm 24. Lift up your heads, O ye gates. Be lifted up, you ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is this King of glory? He is the Lord, strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O ye gates. Lift them up, you ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is this King of glory? He is the Lord, strong and mighty. I want to suggest to you today, church, that gates are people with authority. The gates of people, gates speak of authority. And here the psalmist is saying, lift up your heads, O ye gates. And I believe we're in an hour right now where the church, who are people of authority, need to lift up their heads. Why? So that the king of glory can come in. That this is not a time, because we're in a time of war, this is not a time to be sheepish. It's not a time to cower away, but to stand up. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are the trained. We need to realize and not be passive. Nowhere in the Bible does, is he anointed us to be nice. But we're anointed as his church, as his people, to stand up. And we are gates. Proverbs 31, I don't believe is just about a woman. The Proverbs 31 woman is the church. She's amazing. And it says her husband sits at the gates. Elders sit at the gates. Gates of the city watch what comes in and they watch what goes out. Gates are really important in the Bible. Nehemiah, was, was, his face was so downcast, he was cupbearer to the king. And the cupbearer said, why is your face downcast, Nehemiah? And he said, because the gates have been burnt and the walls lie in ruins. Can I, can I just suggest to you today that if you understand what the cupbearer's job was, it was to lift the king up. And it was punishable by death for, for Nehemiah to be in the king's presence and to have a face that was downcast because when you have a downcast face, you create an atmosphere. And his job was to create an atmosphere of lifting up, not pulling down. His job was to create an atmosphere to lift up the king, not to cause it to the, the attention of the king. But the king noticed Nehemiah and he said, what's up, Nehemiah? And he says, well, he says, why are you so upset? And he says, because of the gates, the gates, the gates have been burnt. The place of authority of God's city has been burnt. And the king allows him to go and do it. He allows him to go and assess the walls. And Nehemiah does it in the middle of the night. He allows him to go. And as you know the story, he starts to put the gates of authority back up. You know, all around, as I travel around the world, I see pastors and leaders and people, people of authority, God's people, the church who have been burnt. They smell like smoke. 
And today before we end here, I want to pray that if you've been burnt by the church, you've been burnt as a place of, in a place of authority, I'm going to pray that you, like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, will leave here today not smelling like smoke. That you, you again can lift up your head and say, no, I'm a gate. No, I'm a person of authority. No, I'm a part of the Lord's army. No, I'm being trained. No, I'm the meek. I'm not going to back down. I'm not going to put my head down. I'm going to stand up. Amen. Matthew 8, Matthew chapter 16, and the gates of hell will not prevail, Jesus says to Peter. And I'll give you the keys to the kingdom, but the gates, the gates of hell will not prevail. Gates are people with authority. Psalm 100 says, I will enter his gates. Everyone say gates. Watch this, with thanksgiving. Can I encourage you again, when we gather on a Sunday, that we arrive with thanksgiving. We arrive in momentum. We don't come just to be pushed along for a good knees up and the worship leader's got to whip us up again. Come on, you can do better than that. I saw you all at the ball game. But we actually arrive in momentum that when we come to the gates, when we come into the house of God, when we gather together, that we enter with something. We enter in momentum. I will enter his gates with thanksgiving. I was glad, very glad when they said to me, come, let us go to the house of the Lord. Why? Because we're coming together to celebrate what he's done, to lift him up, not just to be lifted up. Oh, I just poor me. Oh, I'm just, I'm just a worm. No, you're not. I'm just a sinner saved by grace. No, you were a sinner, and now you've been saved by grace, and now you're a son. Now you're a daughter. Now you're a saint because of the finished work of the, of the cross. So lift up your heads, O ye gates. Be lifted up. Let the King of glory come in. You know, you and I are the only Jesus people will ever see. Come on. All right. So Psalm 100, I will enter his gates with thanksgiving. Proverbs 28, verse 28. Listen to this. When the wicked are in power, the people go into hiding. But when the righteous are in power, the city rejoices. I'll read that again. When the wicked are in power, the people go into hiding. But when the righteous are in power, the city rejoices. The city here, the cities in which we live in, the cities will rejoice when the godly are in power, when the godly are at the gates, when the godly are making decisions. Authority always wins over power. I've said this before, but Jesus says, I've given you authority over all the power of the enemy. Authority always wins over power. The enemy has power, but he doesn't have authority. I've given it to you, authority over all, the power, the power, the power of the enemy. The enemy has power, but he doesn't have authority. Lift up your heads, O ye gates. Be lifted up, you everlasting doors. Come on, let the King of glory come in. We need to know who we are. Psalm 121, I lift up my eyes to the Lord from where my help comes from. Colossians 3 verse 1, set your heart and mind on things above where God is seated. I've got five points and then we're going to pray. Uh, I think it's five. Yes, five. Gates. I'm going to use an acronym for gates. Gates, G. I think they're coming up on the screen. Gates, number one, God. Everyone say God. I was in Guatemala a few, a few uh, weeks ago. And as we arrived in Guatemala, there was um, soldiers with machine guns, soldiers at the gates of the airport, soldiers at the gates of the hotel. Why? Because gates are a place that need to be guarded. We've been placed to guard what God has given us jurisdiction 
over. When you go into customs, every time you go, I go through customs, they want to see what I've picked up. They want to see what I'm bringing in, what I'm taking out. Gates, God. Gates are a stop point. And I believe inside the city of God, inside the church, there should be protection. Inside the city of God, it should be awesome. Come on. Let us build for ourselves a city. Babel, God says, I'm not interested in you building a city by you, for you, for your glory. I'm interested in building something by me, for me, for my glory. And in Acts chapter 2, when the Holy Spirit came, they all heard them speaking in their own language. There's a language of the Spirit. See, we're living stones. We're alive. This is a living house. Stones that are alive. God is fashioning together to build something, to build a city where people come and go, oh my gosh, that is amazing. The church have an answer on things. The church have an answer on marriage. The church have an answer on finances and on business. And this is incredible. Isaiah 2 says, In the last days, the mountain of the Lord will be the chief mountain, and the world will come to Zion and say, Teach us your ways. Isaiah 60 says, Arise and shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord rises upon you. What's this? Nations will come to your light, kings to the brightness of your rising. Can you see? We're the head and not the tail. We're not just waiting just this for, 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 for the mothership just to come and beam us all away. You say, God, do something. He said, I already did everything. You do something. I've given you authority. Go, fill this earth. Don't stop and build something for you, by you, for your glory. Let's, come on, let's make a name for ourselves. God's not interested in that. He's interested in people. He's not coming back for somebody. He's coming back for his body, an army. He's coming back for a house. He's coming back for a bride without spot or wrinkle. In other words, she doesn't have zits, but she's not wrinkly. She's amazing. She's, in a, she's beautiful. There's something about the church will not be immature, but not on death's door. She'll be awesome. She'll be amazing. She'll be radiant. That's why I've just, I don't, I don't want to tangent here. That's why the way we treat our wives is really important. Husbands, your wife's face is your grade. Smile, please. Okay. So gates guard. Everyone say guard. Gates guard. Authority is A. Authority. Gates are people with authority. Everyone say authority. I'm going fast. When the righteous are in power, the city rejoices. When the righteous are in power, the city rejoices. God is looking for a people that know their authority. You know, Jesus says, it says this, Jesus says, um, it says, foxes have holes and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to rest his head. He wasn't look, talking about where he could have a nap. Because he'd just come from Peter's house, and if he wanted to have a nap, he could have stayed there. He was talking about where he could rest his authority. Let me ask you a question today. Are you a person where Jesus can rest his authority? Are you somebody where Jesus can rest his head, where he can rest his authority? Can you move in authority? Can you release heaven onto earth? Jesus taught us, pray, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You know, sometimes we, we, we look for the will of God like it got lost, but really the will of God is done. And wherever the will is done, wherever God's will is done, there the kingdom has come.
Authority. Authority. Foxes have holes. Are you the, the, the birds have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to rest his head, to rest his authority. Are you a person where God can rest his authority? Do you know what it means to have a gates? Do you know that you're the guarder of your own home, of your own children, of your own family? Do you know have a, you have authority and jurisdiction? over the area and the sphere that God's given you authority over? Do you know how to move in your authority? See, when the wicked are in power, the people go into hiding. Why? Because the head is sick. The place of authority is, is wrong. But when the righteous are in power, those who do things right, the city rejoices. So watch this. Whatever, whatever you are head over, you will flood the very thing you have authority over. Let's say it again. Whatever you feed on will flood the very thing you have authority over. That's why headship is really important. That's why authority is really important. If you, if you are flowing with the life of... If I got a hose pipe and I put it into a sewer, as long as the water keeps flowing, the sewage cannot go into the pipe. But we have to keep flowing. If I put a, a hose pipe with flowing water into a puddle, as long as it's flowing... The muddy water won't go into the pipe. You hear what I'm saying? It's important that we flow. Jesus says, if anyone is thirsty, let streams of living water flow, flow from within. That sounds like an oxymoron. If you are thirsty, what the water you need is right inside of you. There's a river in here. But if it's flowing, and it's flowing with life, it doesn't matter how, what situation you go into, the authority and the headship of what you're carrying will flood what you have jurisdiction over. Number three is for transition. Everyone say transition. T is for transition. Gates guard. Gates carry authority. Gates carry are a place of transition. Jesus is the gate. He says, I am the gate. He actually, in Bible times, as a shepherd, the shepherd would actually be the gate. They would actually lie over the pen. They were the gate. They were, the shepherd was the person that guarded what came in and what came out. They were the guard. They were the authority. They were the place of transition. They watched what came in. They watched what went out. It's so important. Gates. Some of you have a gate going into your back garden, your backyard. You have a gate going into your front garden. They're a place of transition. Transition is really important. Jesus says, uh, Jesus says uh, when you pray, go into your room and close the door. It's a gate. It's a place of transition. Right? In other words, shut out all the other voices. Close that door, that place of transition, to create an atmosphere where I can meet you. And he says, and pray to your heavenly Father who is in secret. Don't babble on like the pagans. So everybody hears hypocrisy. But close the door and meet with him. Gates, doors are a place of transition. Can I, some of you need to hear this. It's, you need to, there's atmospheres of mixture. Remember, mixture is built bricks with mixture. Straw. They're, not, they're mixed. They're make, they can making something that was a mixture. God is not interested in something of a mixture. Close the door and create an atmosphere behind that closed doors where you can hear God afresh. God, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Atmosphere, 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 atmosphere. So we're in a kingdom of light. Light always overcomes darkness. If you want to come overcome darkness, just turn on the light. Number four, it exalts. Everyone say exalts. Exalts, exalts. Gates 
exalt. Gates exalt. They glorify, lift up, praise, and revere. That's what exalt means. It means to glorify, lift up, praise, and revere to represent something or we are representing somebody. You know, if, if you've ever been to Buckingham Palace, they have massive gates, massive, beautiful gates. Imagine if they were like, just you went there one time and it was just a, like a, just a, a, a cow gate. It was a five-bar gate. You're like, what's going on? It's like, oh, yeah, we're trying to make cuts. You know, taxes, tax cuts. You just, it was cheaper that way. What? No, it's, they, it, the gates represent something. Gates exalt the very thing that they are representing. When you see gates, sometimes when you see gates, the big electric gates, you're like, wow, I wonder what that's guarding. Wow, I wonder what, when you go through this place of transition, I wonder what you're going to see. I wonder what it's like in there. Gates exalt something. Gates represent something. Again, church, we are gates. Lift up your head, O ye gates. Be lifted up, you everlasting. You're people of authority. We're here to guard. We're here to have authority to, to watch transition and to exalt the very thing that's behind the gates. We're here to exalt the king. On Sunday mornings, we come to lift him up, not just be lifted up. I was talking to somebody yesterday about the sin of familiarity, which is the sin of familiarity. And it's easy to fall into the, the sin of familiarity when we're just family. And somebody is moving in a gift or so we, we need to honor somebody but for what they're carrying or what, or what they're doing. But we don't because of the sin of familiarity. Remember Jesus, they could, he, Jesus could only do, watch this, he could only do a few miracles by those he put his hands on. In other words, no one could take away the actual power from his hands to heal a few. But what they could do is change the atmosphere. So the whole room could not get touched by signs and wonders and miracles because we have the power to change atmospheres. You've ever been to a restaurant and you're, just, you're sitting down, you're really excited and maybe it's just going to cost you some money and you saved up and you sit down, you're like, this is so exciting. And then, and then the waiter shows up or the waitress shows up and they just got a bad attitude. That gives me an attitude. It's like, okay, hang on a second. I'm not going to let you ruin this meal. We're paying for this. But we can create, silence has a voice. We can create atmospheres by not saying anything. It's horrible. But we're here to, be, to carry the culture of heaven. Let your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. There's no sickness in heaven. There's no disease in heaven. There's no depression in heaven. There's no oppression in heaven. So when we pray, we're praying from heaven to earth to release heaven's goodness. So the church should be really good at shifting atmospheres, making sure there's an atmosphere of heaven. It's an atmosphere of peace. The kingdom of God, um, it says in Romans, is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy. Hello, joy in the Holy Ghost. So, so as gates, we're to, to protect something, to protect atmospheres. You know, I don't, I'm, I'm funny with atmospheres. I don't like bad at attitudes. I want to just go after it. It's like, hey, stop this. What is this? Watch this. James says, where there's envy and strife, there's every kind of evil. So flip it around. The opposite must be true. Where there's no envy and strife, there's no evil. You can only do that by God. You can only do that by walking. 
Psalm 133, where brothers and sisters dwell together in unity, God commands a blessing. Therefore, the opposite must be true. Where there's not unity, there's not the blessing of God. That's worth something worth fighting for, don't you think? For unity of the faith, for unity of the spirit, for there not being aggro and agitation, envy, strife, stop it. In Proverbs it says there's six things that God hates and there's one that is detestable to him and it's he who stirs up dissension amongst the brothers. I think I told you this story, but I was with a minister one time of a big ministry and he was just talking and talking about all these different people and negative. In the end, I put my hand on his hand and I said, Sir, I respect you, but please stop stirring. It's not healthy. It's not good. It's just, ugh, ugh. It's horrible. I said, I hate it, but God detests it. Six things that he hates, but one that is detestable to him, and it's he who stirs. Stop it. In the name of Jesus, stop it. Stop it, stop it, stop it. Stop it. And if you stop it, there's one thing that, there's six things that he likes, but one is just amazing to him, and it's he who doesn't. It's the law of opposites. All right. So, exalts, exalts, exalts. And number five, brethren, finally, I've got three minutes. Number five, be strong. Gates are strong. Everyone say strong. Have you ever seen in the movies, if they can storm the gates, then they can get into the city. If they can just bust through and get into those city, they can get through and they can take the city. Even if it's fortified, we've just got to get through those gates. We are gates. We are people of authority. I told the story when we arrived in Bath a few weeks ago, and we'd only been there for 25 minutes. And I was in the phone store, do you remember? And, and my phone rang, and it was Isaac, and he says, we've just been punched, and there's a gang, and I ran down to a place called Southgate, interestingly enough. And there, these youths were jumping on Isaac and Judah, and they were, they were, Isaac got uh, punched in the face, and as I stood there, um, I went to protect my kids. And I ended up in this full-on brawl. And these kids, I mean, it was just like demonic, like kicking and punching and fighting and Man, there was blood on the ground, and I was getting bruised and hurt, and so did they. But it, it, but it was, it was bad, right? And I, I felt like God, I need to do something. And early in the morning, a couple of days later, I felt the Lord say, "Go to the gates, go to the gates." So I googled the police who was in charge of that whole region, and I said, "I want to speak to him." And I went into this station. I said, "I want to speak to this particular individual, the person who's in charge of the gates of this entire region." And they said, "Well, you can't see him. Who are you?" I said, "Why can't I see him? He's busy." I said, "So am I." And they said, "Well, who 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 are you?" I said, "I represent a people." in this city, who are getting attacked, whose shopkeepers are having windows smashed, whose, whose older people are scared to walk through the city, and it's wrong. And I said, I'm going to do something about it. I'm not here to blame you. I'm not here to shout at you. In fact, I'm here to say thank you to you. But I will, but if, and, I'm, and I'm sorry that cuts have been made to the point that you can't police the streets. I will, I will call a press conference, I will call the TV, I will call the newspapers, I will call the city together to rise up and take a stand and we'll raise hundreds of thousands of pounds and I'll do it quickly to put police back on these streets so that the people are safe. Why? Because when the wicked are in power, the, the city goes into hiding. But when the righteous are in power, the city rejoices. I said, 
And I said, I'll fight for this city. There's a lot of things I won't lay down my life down for. There's things, battles I won't, let, I won't die on that battlefield. But on this one, I will. Because this is about gates. Because this is about authority. Because this is about standing up. This is about being the meat, being the trained, lifting up our heads. And not just, this is on our watch. And they said, she said, well, where are you going to get all this money from? I said, just watch me. And she said, well, I, 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 don't, know, I don't know what's happening here. I don't know how, how you're going to get to talk to him because he, you know, he's very, very busy. I said, please send him the message. And I said, send him this message. I want him to know that we honor him and we say thank you to all that you do. But if you do not listen to me, the next time we have this conversation, we'll be at a funeral. All I can tell you at this point, I've got an appointment with that chief in one week's time. I'll tell you this, the next day, Fee and I were stood in the city streets applauding because one riot van after the next, after the next, was pouring into the city, picking up gangs, pushing them out of the city, and there were police everywhere, just walking, beating the streets. I would Google up to him and say, hey, just thank you for being here, sir. And he was like, you're welcome. Like, just on the beat. You know why? Because we had to shake the gates a little bit, to shake the gates. But I believe that's what the church should be doing, shaking the gates Gates are people with authority. Amen? That we need to stand up to lift up our heads. You know, gate in the, the pearly gates in Revelation. Pearls, watch this, this is important. Pearls are actually made through irritation. Pearls find their value through irritation. So, as Peter says, think it not strange. Think it not strange when you face the fiery darts of the enemy. Of course you're going to. Think it not strange when the enemy takes up its stand against you when you start to take territory? Of course you are. Duh. Oh, there's a storm. I don't like the storm. Because you're taking territory. But internal realities will create external realities. Oh, there's a demon. Well, that's okay. Just deal with the demon. Yeah. But we need to be full of God. We need to know who we are. Let the, lift up your heads. Lift up, don't be all like this. But lift up your heads. Not in shame. I hate shame. Shame off you. Not shame on you. Shame off you. You're God's people. Lift up your heads. Somebody asked me, can a Christian have a demon? To which I responded, a Christian can have anything they want. Perhaps a better question would be, can a demon have a Christian? See, Galatians says you can sow to the flesh or you can sow to the spirit. And if you sow to the, to the spirit, you reap life. But to the flesh, you, you reap death. What, watch this. What you feed grows. What you starve dies. You can starve stuff out. And it will suddenly, the appetite for it will go. And the more you do that, and we get filled with the Spirit, and see, those who are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. Isn't that what it's all about? To grow in sonship? All creation is waiting for the sons of God. All creation is waiting for you and waiting for me. Amen? Let's stand together, can we? Thank you, Lord. Just close your eyes. I'm going to pray, and we're going to get out of here. Hmm. Close your eyes. Father, I thank you so much. You're an amazing dad. Thank you that you are so proud of us. And I thank you that even when we mess up, you are so faithful. <laughs> I thank you that even where we get burnt, you take away that smoke. And I thank you that 
in life itself, even when we face irritations, those who are facing irritations, whether it be in the workplace, whether it be financially, whether it be physically, whether it be relationally, that whatever the illy is, God, that is causing irritation, I thank you that the end result is a pearly gate. I thank you that the end result is that you are fashioning something inside of us that is beautiful. And I thank you, Lord, that you've called us to be people that God. I thank you you've called us to be people that have authority, that you've caused to be people that watch the transitions of what comes in and what goes out. God, I just I thank you for all these things that we've talked about today. God, I thank you that the very thing that we are exalting is you. I thank you that what is behind the gates is you. And finally, as Paul says in Ephesians 6, and finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. And I thank you, God, that, that we are gates that are strong. You said to Joshua, be strong and courageous. And I speak strength over my brothers and sisters today, that everyone in this room, that a fresh strength would come today in Jesus' mighty name, that we would lift up our heads that we would let you, the King of glory, come in. Lord, I thank you that you've not anointed us to be nice, but you've anointed us and you have appointed us to be your people at this time in history, to make your name famous, to build something not us by us, by us for our glory, but something by you, for you, for your glory, where you can make residence and show the world how awesome you are through your people, which is us, in Jesus' mighty name. And everyone said, amen. Love you, church. Jim.